Well, good morning, good afternoon, good night, good evening, what's up people? This is going to be episode 2, which is actually kind of a, I wouldn't say controversial, but interesting thing, because I actually saw something earlier this week where it was like, they had like kind of like what I did last week, they had like a pilot episode, but then they had like episode 1, so it was like pilot episode 1, episode 2, but the way I always thought about it was like pilot is episode 1, you just call it like a pilot for like the kind of like experimental episode is what I call it, but um, man, how are you guys doing? It's been a um, busy week so far for me, I don't know about you guys, but it's been pretty darn busy, and yep, see, my dog's moaning about it, it's been, I wouldn't say a hectic week, but it's definitely been one of the busy ones, you know, that's actually funny, I just said um, because someone told me, they're like, man, that was a pretty good podcast, which I was like, oh, sweet, man, like, I appreciate that, but then they're like, you did say um a lot, though. That's just my go-to thinking word. It's just um. It's just going to be like, so if you hear a lot of um, that's, that's just me thinking, I promise. I'm trying to think about some sort of smart thing to say. And here's an interesting thing. I'm also wearing a hat while doing this today. Like, if you know me, I'm not a hat person. But here I am wearing a hat. So my hair's going to look great today, especially now that my hair's super long. Like, oh, man, the flow is going to be on the go. And everyone's going to be like, whoa, spitting rhymes since 2020. But, um, see, there you go again. I'm doing the um thing. I'm going to have to work on that, man. I'm telling you how many times I say um in a podcast. Maybe you should get, like, a mark down how many times I say it'll probably be maybe 20. Well, if you ever hear music in the background, by the way, it's because, like, it's so weird doing these still, like, I still have a little bit of an awkward phase of doing podcasts on my own, like, last week was my, or, did I say last week, it was, like, last Saturday, it was my first time doing it, like, on my own, so it's just weird to, like, sit here and talk to a phone or a microphone, and, like, no one else is here but you, so it's just a weird thing to me, and I'm still trying to get over that awkwardness, so I put, like, really quiet music in the background to help me out, so we'll see how it goes this time, I think... This episode is a little bit more organized. Last time it was more of like off the head, off the heart, off the tongue. Things kind of like in that nature. But this one I actually have a format laid out in front of me on a Google Doc. And I did study. Well, I don't want to say like study because like I did study but not like a full on like two hours study. Which is what like I would like to get to is like an hour, an hour or two study to study for this stuff when I do stuff like this. So yeah. We'll see how that goes. I guess there's really no other way to start this besides maybe just be like, let's just talk about this week's topic. So, so this week I was kind of thinking and looking through some stuff. I was thinking about talking about um, Nehemiah, and I just did that um thing. There we go. There it goes again. <laughs> I'm going to have to recognize it every time now. But I actually was thinking about doing, I think it's Nehemiah. Nehemiah. It's one of the Old Testament books, one of the smaller, well, I say smaller ones, but I think it's like not seven or not seven to nine chapters, somewhere in that range. So it's not like a super short book. It's just one of those books that you just don't, that kind of get thrown in with like Amos and Obadiah. It's just like the books, I guess, like people, I feel like people, they don't read them as much as like the mainstream books of the Bible for say, you know, obviously like Exodus, Genesis, Numbers maybe mainstream? Not, I don't think so. Not quite there. Of course, your New Testaments are probably like, 
I would dare say the most read, you know, your heart of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is probably the most read. So I was looking through that this week, and I was like, oh man, I'd really love to talk about, I'm going to call it Nehemiah. I was like, that'd be a really good book to talk through and, you know, kind of read through with you guys, but I was like, maybe not just yet, I'll probably, I may do it for the next episode, definitely sometime in the future, it's just when I feel like it's the right time to do it. It's a very good story, I recommend reading it, it's basically... The whole entire thing kind of starts out and revolves around the idea, I think, of, if I remember correctly, it's been a minute since I've read it, but basically the wall for, like, Jerusalem, or, yeah, I think Jerusalem, I could be wrong, but basically, Jerusalem, let's go with that, why not? Basically, the wall got torn down somehow, like, it's just old and battered and whatnot, and so, basically, it's the whole story revolves around a guy who's, like, I think, I don't know if he's the cupbearer for the king, I don't know if he's a cupbearer, but he's definitely some kind of servant along those lines for the king. And he gets permission from the king. And the king actually helps him out with materials, too, to go and rebuild the wall. It's a really cool, I think, story about how it shows in our vulnerability, God still protects us. And even when, like, the enemy mocks us, saying we'll never get back up from this, like, we'll never recover, God's like, you don't even, they don't know who I am, but you know who I am. So trust that I will build you up and make you stronger within me. And I was like... That is an amazing story. So I really recommend you guys read that. I actually never read it until like last, like literally last week. So that's why I was like, dude, I am all for sharing that story. So sometime down the line, we'll definitely share it. But for this week, I've kind of just prayed through, thought through, looked through some stuff and just thinking about some things. That's, I wouldn't say things that's going on, but like just some thoughts I've been having lately because, you know, one of our ways we communicate with God is kind of actually in our daily thoughts. We don't think about that. We think it has to be an initial prayer, but I do think, don't get me wrong, it's good to have that intentional communication. But I think we can also just like receive random thoughts that may be from God. I'm not saying every single thought may be from Him, but there are definitely some that we probably are given that we don't recognize at first that are from Him. So that's kind of what happened this week. I was kind of looking through and talking with a friend of mine. Um, I did the um thing again. <laughs> I was talking through my friend through about the story of like Daniel and whatnot. And so I just went back and looked at it and I was like, wow, this is something I really like would love to touch on. So the overall like kind of topic for this weekend, I guess this might be the title as well, is Untouchable Faith. Because when I read the story of when I read the story of Daniel, you know, not just with him but with his friends too, I see this whole thing about like untouchable faith you know they're going you know I don't want to get into it just yet because obviously this is part of like the whole thing podcast for today so maybe we should just jump into it so uh if you guys are curious of what we are reading today or what I'm reading we're reading I say we because this is a family thing fam it's not just me it's a you me and Jesus whole sword deal so the chapters of Daniel we're going to be from basically is um the dumb thing, but Daniel, basically Daniel chapter 3 and Daniel chapter 6, I do have like other verses included like I have 1 Corinthians 13, 13 and John 15, 5, but we'll get to that in the later go. So, without further ado, oh, by the way, I think so is one, another transition to word, I probably, someone needs to give me a dictionary for my birthday, which is like, I guess a week and a half away, it's on September 8th, so someone probably needs to get me a dictionary for my birthday or thesaurus or something like that so I can learn some better vocabulary. 
let's get started with this. Daniel chapter 3, and wow, it's not flipped to the right page. Good on me, always being professional. So, Daniel chapter 3, verse 8 through 30 is kind of like what I put. I may not read through all that, but we'll see what I do. So basically, you have this whole thing that starts out in chapter 3. We have King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, if the image of, if you ever look in your Bible, it says the image of gold and a blazing furnace. And it basically said King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide. And so basically, I think it was a statue of, I don't know, I don't know if it was a statue of himself. It says on the plane, um, I don't know, maybe while we'll, we'll read it, we'll find out if it's whether a statue of us or not. So Daniel 8 through, yeah, let's just start in verse 8. Yeah, let's just go through it. And so basically the whole thing is like they make the statue, you know, six cubits high, six cubits wide. And they make the whole thing. And then I think his, um, I don't know if like his advisors or heralds, like I said, I'll probably find out when I start reading. It's like basically his council people were like, hey, you know, and I think it was kind of his idea too. It was like, we need to make it where people bow down to this. We need to make it where people bow down to the statue and basically worship and, and I, a way of worshiping him as, you know, the king and whatnot. He wants to be basically kind of like a king that treats himself as a god in some sort of sense. And so here we get down to verse 8. I'm going to start reading it. So Daniel chapter 3, verse 8. It says, at this time some astrologers, yeah, astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever, which may the king live forever is like such a common phrase in the Bible. That I found a lot in the Old Testament, and it continues, and it says in verse 10, Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Babylon, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, Your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So to pause right here, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like pretty close friends of Daniel, I'd say. And Daniel at this time actually is pretty, he's actually pretty close to King Nebuchadnezzar as far as like he's one of, I, don't, I keep saying councilman, but really it's more like an advisor. He's supposed to, you'll actually think of chapter four and maybe five and six, he kind of interprets dreams for him. So he's kind of like an advisor in that sense. And so those are Daniel's, like, I would say be three best friends and whatnot. And so here you have it where they're basically, you know, everyone else is bowing down and, you know, they're worshiping the statue. But them being true to, like, I guess to themselves and being true to God, they're like, you know what? I'm just going to, they're like, that's not us. We're going to stand up for what we believe in. Like, literally, they will not bow down to the image of man and to the image of gold because, like, that's not my God. My God is, you know, the only God, and I only worship Him. That's kind of like their awesome mindset. So just kind of give you a summary of that. And so, and on verse 13, we go to furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the, before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, It is true, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, I'm pretty sure I said that, and Abednego, that you do not serve gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? That is totally a line he's throwing at God, by the way. 
not just a general God. He's like actually testing God in that moment, whether he realizes it or not. Anyways, continues in verse 16. says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do, not, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And I think that's a good place to pause because notice they like I think when we think about this story, we may think that they were like, oh, you know, our God's gonna get through this, which don't get me wrong, yes, they do say that. They do say that our God will get us through this, but they also say, but you know what? If he doesn't, our God is still good. And that is such a remarkable, noble trait, I think, to have as a believer, is that even when, you know, if when we're approached with these hurricanes and these storms and whatnot, that we're able to look at the times and say, you know what, whether whether God, whether I'm able to get through this or whether this destroys me, at the end of the day, God is still good and God is still God. And that is such a cool characteristic to see from them. And to summarize the next few verses, they basically were like, after that rebuttal by them, they were like, no, we're not doing that because you're not our God. We only worship one God, the one true God, which is their Yahweh and whatnot. And they were like, that's who we worship, you know, of. and... It goes on to say he was furious that Nebuchadnezzar got super furious. He, like, I think he probably got so enraged to the point that he was like, I'm going to go above and beyond the punishment for you for you guys. That's basically what he's getting at. He probably didn't say guys. He probably called them a very derogatory term, to be honest with you. But let's keep this family friendly. <laughs> and so basically the next few verses, he, he basically ordered his people to heat up the furnace seven times hotter. And so that's like, I guess the word would be sevenfold there. So it was like sevenfold harder than what it usually is. And he commands this strongest soldier in his army to tie tie them up and kind of be ready to throw them in the furnace. And so here they are, they're wearing these robes or trousers and turbans. So basically they're wearing all their clothes and whatnot. Pretty flammable, flammable stuff too, by the way, I would imagine. And the king's command, and this is what I, this is, I wouldn't say I love, but I do appreciate the detail, is that the this, the flames were so hot that it actually killed the soldiers who like threw them in the fire or like who basically got close to the fire and was building the furnace and whatnot. The soldiers who were like building up that fire actually died while doing that. Not like all all of his men died doing it, but like the ones closest to it did. So that shows you just the heat from it was just like deadly. I mean, extremely dangerous. So that goes to show you that these guys are not facing an easy, like, you know, campfire. They're facing a full-on, like, they're getting in a human oven kind of thing. They're about to be some old-fashioned pizza back in the day kind of thing. So then um, I think we should pick it back up from verse 25. Yeah, pick it up verse 25. And this is when they were, um, you know, actually verse 24. I think verse 24 is a better place. So let's do that. So it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement at what his advisors and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into a fire? So here he is, I forgot to mention this, they were also, so they're thrown into the fire at this point, the three of them are. And King Nebuchadnezzar, this is his response, and he sees that they are like, you know, not perishing, they're not burned up. And he's like, wait. And so he's questioning to his advisors, you know, the people he trusts the most, because he's just out, he's just outright confused. He's like, he's like, weren't there, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. In verse 25, it says, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. 
Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out here. And I think that's important to realize that all up until this point, Nebuchadnezzar kind of said God with like the lower G. And so he kind of just treated it basically like, that's your just own made up imaginary God or whatever. That's not like a real God. And basically now you see him saying, not only is he recognizing their God, he's recognizing their God as like, the almost I don't know if he would I don't know if it's fair to say he recognizes as the one God the only God but it's but it is fair to say he definitely saw their God as the most supreme high authority God because it says um the most high God and that's really cool that he actually was pushed to say that because of this amazement King Nebuchadnezzar just goes the most high God like that's that speaks volume to me that someone who used to treat God like a joke is now like praising his name with like indirectly it's it's just cool and so it goes up to say so Shadrach Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire in verse 27 and the and the satraps per, uh prefects governors and royal advisors crowded around them they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor was a hair of their heads signed their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them then Nebuchadnezzar said praise be to the god of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. And it's good to note there that they actually capitalized God right there. Um, and verse 29 goes on to say, Therefore I decree to the people of any nation or any language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. So basically, he's almost given him a decree, a decree of, of protection because he sees what their God can do. So it's like he's he's really in awe of what God has done, but at the same time, he's almost in fear of what God can do, if that if you know what I mean. And verse 20 ends it off by saying, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And so it's a really awesome story. You know, you have these three close believers, three close friends, and they all are super, super tight in their faith, and they lo- and you know they're walking with God uh, daily. And here, and I think one thing that gets to notice is, man, their faith. And this is the reason why I want to title this episode "Untouchable Faith," because here you have it where, you know, they're basically being threatened to be burned alive, but not even like. I mean, obviously, burning alive sucks, and that's going to be painful. But the fact that he was that he turned the heat up seven times. That probably like just it multiplies the pain factor like immensely more beyond what I can probably comprehend to be honest with you. And so, but here they are, like you know, they're facing that, and you know, they're walking into this, and they're knowing they're like, you know what, no matter what happens, God's going to get us through this. Like whether we come out alive or come out dead, like they're basically they they know the glory will be God's at the end of the day, and so they just have this untouchable faith that where they go into fire, you know. I can't. I, I don't even think for a moment that they like had doubt. Honestly, at this point, I mean, usually we like to think, well, maybe there was a little bit of doubt. I really think there was no doubt in these three guys' heart. If you guys ever watched the uh, History Channel of the Bible, you know, they I think they did it. What well, uh, it was a few years ago, they did the History Channel did a series on the Bible. It was kind of like just highlight stories from the Bible, amazing things, and they actually did one for they actually did one for Daniel. And the best thing. I think in that in the part in the series when they got to Daniel, they actually showed this scene in there with these three men being thrown into the fire, 
And one of the best parts in that scene to me is that while they're in the fire and they're about to like, you know, light the flame, they just start praying to God near saying, Lord, deliver us, Lord, deliver us, which whether that's accurate or not, I, I do think that's accurate, whether even though it may not be included in the Bible. I mean, I think it's fair to interpret that they were still praying in the midst of the fire being lit. And I just, oh my gosh, that must have been just such an amazing picture. Like here they are, they're going and walking into the fire. And even while the fire's lit, they're still praising and glorifying God, I, I, I would imagine, because I'm pretty sure they imagine too that they realize that the fire was not consuming them. I mean, so if, and I think that speaks to us in so many ways is that when we go through the fires and the stuff in life, you know, the, where we want to call a storm, a fire, a giant, whatever it is, sometimes I think we get in a point where we feel like whether it's because of our own sin or, it's, or the people around us, we're being almost thrown into the fire, thrown into that furnace and people are, you know, persecuting us or it's our own sin or it's the devil himself persecuting us and just throwing us into that fire. And it feels like, you know, that's, you know, we think maybe that's end game. But I think the important thing we take away from here is that no matter what happens, we just have to have that faith. We have to have that untouchable faith, which I know it's so hard to have at times, but in this story, we see it pay off. So we can even have faith, as Jesus even says in the New Testament, just faith like a mustard seed, we can move mountains. And I'm pretty sure these three guys at this moment had more faith than a mustard seed. So just imagine how much our, how, or I should say, how far our faith can take us if we're willing to have faith just as much as these three, if not just maybe a little bit more, or a little bit less. Just imagine what God can do. And I think that's a cool, I think it's a good thing to kind of point out is that these guys, they were persecuted, honestly. They were faced with the decision in their life, in their, you know, day-to-day -day basis of, am I going to choose God or am I going to choose man? And I do think we're almost getting to a point day and time, maybe not full on blown yet, but I'm pretty sure the day is coming. Or it may not even be laws necessarily, like laws by the government. It may just even be simple choices of whether you're going to go go to go party with your friends or you're going to go or you're going to like you're going to invoke in this conversation you shouldn't be a part of or you're going to make fun of or you're going to just going to you know slur words or you're going to say words you shouldn't you're going to just you know basically involve yourself in sin and temptation of flesh rather than choosing God so I think on the whatever scale you look at this we all get to a point where it's like there were the people in our life that are around us that may not be believers or yeah, that aren't believers, and, you know, they look at us and they go, well, you can either come and join us, and kind of like Nebuchadnezzar was saying, you can either basically join us and bow down to my way and to my beliefs, or you can burn with God. And that's what they're saying. But in reality, the choice for us is either we fall to sin and the temptations of man, or we be delivered by the Most High God. And I think that's something we need to keep in mind. Whenever you're so just whenever you're going through any kind of decision in life, and whether it's a small, a big, huge decision or a small-scale decision, I think we just need to think about it and think, am I going to go and bow down to man and his temptations and his faults or to his false, God, to his false gods? Am I going to bow down to that? Or am I willing to go into the fire of sevenfold and, and you know, and possibly be burned alive, but also possibly be saved by the God Most High. And I think, I think God will, will save you from that fire, honestly. And I, I, I mean, I guess 
speaking of a big scale, I do think the day and time is going to come where we're going to be approached with, and it actually is happening. It's happening in our schools right now. I, I dare say it's happening in our, in our government in a general basis, um, marriage and whatnot, that kind of laws surrounding places such as that and topics such as that, where I think we all are going to come to a day where we're going to have to make a decision of whether we're going to bow down, we're going to obey the laws of man, or are we going to, you know, or are we going to still stay true to God, even if that means going against the laws of man? Because let's be honest, we're man, we're mankind, we're flawed, we're, we, have, we now have a sinful nature. We were not made with one, but thanks to the fall in the garden, we do kind of now have one, in my opinion. So I do. So here's the thing, though. You have to realize, yes, it's great we have laws and everything, but at the end of the day, those laws are still made by people, imperfect people. I'm not trying to like say like we need to have an anarchy. God, Lord, no, we do not need an anarchy. But I do think at the end of the day, though, it needs to be God over government, God over country, God over my best friend, God over family, and that's like super. And even God over um, your spouse or, you know, something like that, or your boyfriend or girlfriend. And that is such a bold statement to make, but it's a true statement, honestly. God needs to be in that first, in that one top high, you know, position in our life. Because the reason why is because if we depend on each if we just solely depend on each other and on man, then it's all going to fall through the bottom because we're all fault. And we all are finite where God is infinite. God is eternal and God is all knowing and all powerful and he's perfect. And if we can, and if we focus and put our foundations on him, then our structures will never fail because if we build our foundations on man, then that's just building a house on sand and that house will be washed away. But if we build our house on the foundations of God and the foundation of scripture and the spirit and Jesus Christ, the Messiah, then truly we build our house on the rock and, and that house will not be washed away by the seas. And so, just to kind of bring it back into the story, I think it's also worth noting that not only did the faith of these three save their lives, but it possibly, I would dare say it possibly saved the lives of others. Like, Can you just imagine, not even King Nebuchadnezzar and his men, can you imagine all the other, maybe like politicians there, the governors and advisors, maybe even just a random civilian watching can you just even comprehend or just imagine for a moment with me about what that what a person like that would think? They just saw basically kind of like, I would dare say, like the embodiment slash spirit of Jesus Christ at this point in time. And they're just, can you just imagine they were maybe in awe? Here they are, they're watching from the outside, watching these men about to be burned. And they're hearing them say this, say, you know, pray to this God, the one, you know, most high God. They're praying to this God, this God of this God of theirs, or at least that's what it sounds like from their perspective, you know, they would be like, oh, that's their God, not realizing that's the one true God and whatnot. But you imagine they hear them you know, saying these prayers and saying these things to Nebuchadnezzar and his men, and they're watching them go in this fire and be delivered from the fire. And I can't even help but imagine they ask themselves, like, you know, what, of course you're going to be like, well, like, well, like, they're going to be like, wow, like, what was that? Like, like, who is this God? I think that's the number one question that was asked that day is, who is this God? And I just can't even imagine how many people's lives were changed through this story and whatnot. Because, I, I mean, 
that's evident to the one living God and how powerful and how almighty he is. And in the Old Testament, that was a very, very powerful thing. And I think it's actually even more powerful today. We just don't realize it. And here's the cool thing I think is worth noting, is that their faith and their spirit, it, it, it <laughs> that when we have faith in God and that when we let the spirit work in us, the fire from that faith and that spirit, it blazes more than that fire from the furnace ever could. And in some way, maybe in a metaphorical sense, you know, obviously they were protected by God, but you can't burn, you cannot burn, or maybe I should say you cannot compare any fire, sevenfold, tenfold, twentyfold, compared to how bright the light and fire of God burns inside of us. And if we have that faith and that fire within us, then truly nothing can touch us because that's, I mean, obviously, yeah, we'll have temptations, we'll ha we'll make mistakes, but at the end of the day, you know, we'll be able to have that untouchable faith that I was mentioning earlier. But I think it's, you know, we go through the chapter, and I think Daniel's definitely a book worth reading. I would recommend it to everybody. I think it's a, just a fantastic, fantastic book to read. It's, it's actually, honestly, <laughs> the reason why I did it this week also is because I like Daniel. Daniel's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I've read through it probably like four or five times. I'll probably read it through a sixth time, knowing me. But, um, and then we move on to about, and I'm going to, I want to move on to Daniel chapter six, because Daniel himself goes through like a, a pretty big trial and test. So I'm going to do Daniel uh, six and start in 10. And just to give you some background, um, at this time, it's a different king. It's King Darius. And I think King Darius was, actually I have a note of it. So King Darius was the third king, you know, or at least the third king cited in Daniel at this time. And I think King, and King uh, Darius actually, I think would, I would dare say had some respect for Daniel and his beliefs. But here he has, he has his, uh, his advisors or whatever you'd like to call them at the time kind of tell him to be like, basically make this law saying, you know, for the next 30 days, you know, no one can ba basically, let me see if I can find it for you guys actually. It's going to be a little bit quiet trying to find the decree. Okay, so here it is. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to start from Daniel chapter 6, verse 6. It says, so these administers and satraps went as a group to the king and said, My king Darius, live forever. The royal administrations, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you your majesty shall be thrown into the lion's den so basically this is their way of trapping daniel because they got jealousy and envy of daniel and they're like you know what he's too good of a man so we're going to get him on his belief so no one no one so daniel and everyone else basically is not allowed to pray to any god or any human except for king darius for the next 30 days or they face that punishment of being thrown into the lion's den and this is where i wanted to pick it up through verse 10 so it says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he'd done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about the royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being 
except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den. The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be replaced. And in verse 13, they said, then, then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree um, you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. And unfortunately, well, as you know, the story goes, he was not able to rescue Daniel from the lion's den or from that punishment. But he definitely, but I think it's worth noting in verse 16, he does say, May your God, whom you certainly continue who you serve continually rescue you. So it's kind of interesting. He's actually, even though he's not necessarily believing in God himself at this point, I would say he's almost putting faith in God through Daniel, which is a really like complex thing of kind of maybe of like, of course, like that's not how that works, but you know, it's kind of cool to see he kind of is opening his mind a little bit to these things. And so then it goes, in verse 17, A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. In verse 19, it says, At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, and he just says, and I can imagine me just being desperate at this point, going, Daniel, or maybe, he probably maybe said it multiple times, just saying, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And I think it's important to know that even though that question was towards Daniel, I think it's worth perhaps interpreting that that was also towards God, because he was almost saying, God, did you deliver this servant of yours that who serves you faithfully. So it's almost like he's almost walking his own path here to discover who God is. And anyways, it continues and says in verse 21, Daniel answered, may the king live forever, which to me is like the most ironic thing. This man comes out of the fire saying, may the king live forever, like happy as day. And then anyways, in verse 22, it says, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I have found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done any wrong before your majesty. And it goes on to verse 23. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from, from the den, no wound was found in him because he had trusted in his God. So kind of also a reflection of what happened with Daniel's three friends back in chapter 3 is that he basically was unscratched, unmarked, untouched. The only thing he was touched by is by the love of God at this point, which is a really awesome thing. And then I just want to kind of skip down to verse 26 through 28. And, you know, the king seeing this, he, he kind of basically looks at Daniel and say, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. And it says, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he says he performs signs of wonders and in heavens on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And I think that is an amazing point. To, if I were you guys, I would just go and just study that and pray on that because I would dare say at this point King Darius found maybe a little bit of faith in God himself because he certainly literally praised God saying, He is the living God. He endures forever. He even like 
He himself as a king recognizes that God's kingdom will not be destroyed and that his dominion will never end. And it's really cool because you see a king at this time who, you know, may seem over like kind of like full of power at some points and full of himself. Here he is. He's looking at God's kingdom. And it's almost like he recognizes that his earthly kingdom, you know, King Darius is he's looking at his own kingdom being like, my stuff is temporary. But this living God of Daniel, his that God has an internal kingdom that can't be destroyed. And so just everything that like I kind of said about chapter 3 follows the same for chapter 6. But I think it's really important to notice that our faith in God can inspire others to have faith in God. Like our faith, our burning fire for God can begin to spark and light that fire in the hearts and souls of others. And I think it's also a pretty cool thing to note that our faith can really aspire, like I said, it can really aspire other people to follow God and really recognize and, you know, label and just praise God saying, that's the living God. And I made a note here on my Google Doc, and I think it's a pretty bold statement, I think, for this day and time, because a lot of us may not feel, and I know I felt like this for a time, that we don't have this much impact. We don't have this much, you know, power. You know, but through God we do. Through Christ we can do anything we put our minds to, as long as He's willing to do it for with us. And so it said, and I put a note on my Google Doc here saying, "Our faith can inspire the faith of nations." And I think, I'm not even gonna say I think. I know that is so true. Like we may feel like we're just you know one individual out of billions and billions and billions, but but at the end of the day, all it takes is one person with faith in God to aspire to just rise to raise up a nation to believe in God and just praise God and like King Darius said he says look like he's the living God one person like Daniel it doesn't even, like some of us I think we look at Bible characters and yes Daniel I think was a special person I do think he was given a gift but at the end of the day any of us can be like Daniel and all it takes is one person willing to put all their faith and all their life and trust and hope and love in God. And that can and that one person with God can aspire and even start help make and help other nations find their faith. And not even just nations, but the people around us. All it takes is one person walking with God to impact the lives of others and impact the lives of the world all around. And just to encourage you guys even more, um, I got to talk to a really close friend this week. Um, I actually haven't talked to her in a whole lot. Maybe close friend may be the wrong word because we kind of, you know, life got busy and I haven't been able to catch up with this person forever. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they're, they are near and dear to my heart and I have the utmost love for them and I forever will. That's just that's just me. And my friend, um, oh, by the way, shout out to Haley, by the way. This is who I'm talking about. My friend, that's her name, Haley. Um, you may know her as Jesus Addicted on Instagram and whatnot. And so basically she gave me, um, she told me to read Psalm 46. And so I read over it. And, you know, I'm so glad she told me that because this goes so well with Daniel and what we're talking about today. Because Psalm 46.10 says, He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is God making a promise saying, You know what? My name will be 
you know, my name will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. And here's the thing I was kind of thinking about. God doesn't need us to do that. God is all powerful and all knowing and all wise. You know, he can do that on his own. But I think the really cool part is that God is willing to include us into his plan and into this into his ultimate plan and goal for the for the whole world. He wants us to be a part of this journey of and this mission of his to save lives, but not just save lives, but also tell people about his name so that not only can they go to heaven when because you know, I don't think God's only mission was to save souls and have people go to heaven when they die. I think um, his real main mission was to change lives. And, you know, I think basically what I'm trying to say is, I think the mission that Jesus came to do and the mission that God has was so that we could walk with him, not just when we get to heaven, that we could walk with him daily as we're living right now on this earth and our lives can be forever changed. And so here we are, we have God saying, my name will be exalted among the nations. But and I think in reality, even though that is wrote in Psalms 46.10, God's message to us is saying, be still and know that I am God. And that's him saying he's with us. But then he goes on, you know, when he says, I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. I think in our hearts and our minds, we might as well put like a little note off to the side there saying, or, or that God says to us, but I want you to be a part of this. Because he's saying, yes, my name will be exalted, and I will be exalted in the earth. And yes, he does not need us, but God says, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to experience this life-changing thing. I mean, think back to creation. God didn't have to create Adam and Eve, but he did it because he wanted to create us to just enjoy the life that he has and the life that he gave us. He wants us to experience that fruitful, just amazing, overwhelming life of doing good, of, you know, doing good works and producing that fruitful spirit, you know, producing fruit, whether in spirit or in physical form. And I think, you know, to tie in like this whole thing with Daniel's, like when we look, whatever, whatever you're going through, just listen close. Whatever you're going through, whatever, you know, like I said earlier, like whatever storm you're facing, whatever trial, whether maybe it's sin, maybe, it, you know, some personal struggles, some mental issues you, you're going through, or maybe it's, you know, some outside stuff like finances or, or you know, family or friends, or you just feel, or maybe, like I said, internal stuff like loneliness, temptation, um, maybe you're having, struggling with, you know, s sexual desires or, or temptations, I should say, on that matter. Or maybe, you know, maybe even something, maybe something simpler for, say, like, you know, like cursing or um, lying. Or maybe just having a hard time, you know, just reaching out, you know, maybe you have a lack of confidence. What, you know, basically what I'm trying to say is whatever it is, whatever is throwing you into that line, whatever is throwing you into that flame, you need to have the boldness and the faith to walk into, to almost basically walk into that furnace with confidence and walk into that lion's den with a smile on your face and a fire in your heart because you have faith and you have confidence, not in yourself, but in the abilities of God and in, you have confidence in God that He will get you through this. And so I kind of looked up some other verses that kind of tie in the New Testament and the Old Testament where in 1 Corinthians 13, 13 it says, and now these three, three, and now these three remain, 
faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so looking back at the story, the three men, you know, three Daniel's three friends, who I just can't remember their names right now, the, those three men and Daniel, I think they, they had faith, you know, that God was going to deliver them from their, from their, you know, trial and their test. You know, Daniel had faith that God would deliver him. And, I'm, and they had hope, not even just hope that they would make it. I think in both situations, they both had hope that when God, when God delivered them, that it would impact the lives of others. And when we looked at the love part, you may not look at Daniel's story in the story of the others. And you may not really see an outstanding part of love. But I was kind of thought about this week, but I really took back and I went, you know, it was it was all 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 four of them in their respective stories and respective scenarios of course you know especially daniel looking at daniel his love for god you know he went and prayed three times a day with open windows and i imagine that was like his visual way of just seeing god you know in the physical world that was daniel's love for god on display he even in the midst of you know he would face punishment he said you know what god but my love for you is more than that. And of course, God's love for us outweighs that even more. So even though Daniel loved God a lot, God loved him way more than Daniel could even imagine. Like, we are not even capable of loving to the extent that God is loving, honestly, because his love is just so great and so high. And I think Daniel just, he really, him and his friends in both their situations, they had... They looked at that, and it says, and now these three remain, you know, when it says 1 Corinthians 13, 13, you know, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I think because, yes, faith, hope, and love are all foundations, but the root, the seed, the seed that everything roots out of is love. Because God is love. God, yes, God is faith. God is hope. But God is love, and every and from love we get faith. We get hope, because in order to have that faith and hope in God and His abilities, we have to have that relationship with with God. And to, in today's time, you know, we have to have that relationship with Jesus in our hearts. We have to have that place of love in order to be able to place our faith, hope, and love in God. And I think to really end this off, and I just really, you know, want to send you guys out and hope you guys have a really, really amazing week. And I don't know when we'll have the next episode for this podcast. And I just want to take a moment, by the way, and just say thank you to everyone that supported me on this. There's been some people I talked to, and they said they really enjoyed this. And so I really hope I can keep delivering this for you guys as much, as long as I can, as much as I can, and pour my my heart out as much as I can, I almost said pour my hat out, <laughs> that would be weird, but, you know, I just really want to encourage you guys, I was thinking of a song this week by House Fires, and if you guys don't know who that is, definitely look them up and listen to the song, their song's called Abide, and I was thinking about the part where, you know, I am yours and you are mine, that is so much love to me, and I like to think that in Daniel's story, you know, I mean, not just Daniel, Daniel, Moses, David, Abraham, um, Jacob, Joseph, you know, Jesus himself, all of them looked at God the Father and they say, I am yours and you are mine. And so even talking, speaking of Jesus, let's talk about, I just want to end this with just encouraging you guys that 
you can you can be the branch of God. You have two choices, I think. You can either sprout out from the from a vine that is of the earth, but a vine that is filled with uh, flesh and temptation to sin, or you can root yourself in God, and you can come out and sh- and branch out from the vine of God, the vine that is Jesus, and you can produce fruit and inspire faith to the lives of others. So I just want to end this week with John fifteen five. It says, and this is Jesus speaking, and he says, "I am the vine." You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So at the end of the day, if if they didn't have faith, if they did not, if they basically, if they did not put their faith and their foundational hope and love in God, then they wouldn't have made it through that fire. Daniel would not have made it through that lion's den. But because, but because they put themselves, their trust in God, and they allowed themselves to be, they allowed God to be the vine, or, or you know, in our, I guess, what the way we would say, if we allow Jesus to be the vine and us to be the branches for Him, then I think we can really bear much fruit for, not just for ourselves and our lives, but we can, we can really aspire faith and aspire others to really start, start following and start asking God questions and saying, Lord, I want to follow you. Like whatever that person is, that person with that burning passion, I want that. And when people see that burning fire inside of you, they're going to say the same thing. They're going to say, I want that. And they're going to, they may even ask you, like, where, where do you get that? Who, who do you trust in? Who is your God? And when they ask you who your God is, you just tell them who, who God is to you. A good, good father, a protector, a, de- a deliverer, a provider a best friend, but most importantly, God is all-knowing and almighty, and Jesus Christ is our Savior, our Messiah, who defeated, who, you know, defeated sin, defeated death, so that me and you could have life through resurrection, and through His miracles, and His powers, and in the Father, and the Son, and in Spirit. So, this week, just go out, and just be the branches for God. Let, let Jesus be the vine, source your life within him and so you can branch out and touch the lives of others through him well it's been great you guys and thank you for your support hopefully every, all the audio sounded pretty good i'm actually planning on getting a mic here soon right just using a phone mic so hopefully that'll be better so um so thank you guys for tuning in and i really hope you have a good week just remember just abide abide in him and by the way the song by house fires is called abide um you should definitely listen to it great song and just remember this week whatever you're going through or just maybe not going through anything maybe you're having a great week awesome you're on the mountain awesome or you're in the valley you know what you can still get good things from that either way just take time this week to stop and think you know just tell God in your prayers and in your heart I am yours and you are mine all right guys have a good week I'll catch you next time